The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Before we get into the action, Mike, how's it going? Ah, man. It's been a crazy... 20, 48 hours, uh, that whole disaster of a debate. And I'm, I'm getting tired of people saying, oh, the debate was a disaster. I'm like, no, we know exactly what was a disaster. It was one guy who was a disaster. So just been kind of reeling from that, man, because that shit show is just really, <laughs> it's just it's just draining. But uh, uh, everything else is going good. My back is feeling better. I've uh, been diving into this uh, Three Ring Circus book about the Kobe Shaq Lakers, which is super interesting, super intriguing. And basically, the this, this stuff that Kobe and Shaq went to is WWE wrestling adjacent. It's nuts, the personal stuff that uh, went behind the scenes in the uh, the Lakers dynasty. But yeah, I'm about 200, 250 pages into that book. So highly, highly recommend it if you... Uh, if you're a fan of either the Lakers sports or just just need a good entertaining read because it's damn good. Yeah, my reading list is like really long and it never gets any shorter because I don't actually read any of the things that I plan on reading. Like it's you read uh, your list. It's kind of terrible. Yeah, I do. And I do make the list longer sometimes and then I'll read that over again. So I do reread the list also. Um, I, I really need to get better about it because I have some really good books that I really want to read and, and experience. Uh, and I just, uh, I just don't. So I, I need to need to change that. And I think uh, this is the first time the podcast has opened up with book talk. Usually it's video <laughs> games or, or just sports, but yeah, we're talking about reading here, guys, the old fashioned way. Yeah. I, I really want to read the warmth of other sons and it's been on my shelf for a while and uh if, if you don't know it it's a book about the great migration and that's something that all of the history classes that i took completely glossed over and did not talk about so you know i'd like to uh educate myself uh, take a little personal responsibility there um but yeah that's definitely been on my list and uh, it's kind of you know i just got it recently and so it's sitting on my shelf, staring at me. I need to just crack it open and get going. Um, it's like, open me, Joel, open me, read me, read me. Uh, that was really strange. I, I don't like that at all. Um, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So other things in, in life, uh, I'm, I'm 30 now, so that's a yeah, thing man. that happened. Um, How's it feel? Welcome to the old man club. Yeah, it feels it feels really sad to have not gotten a, a, a text message from my best friend or like any kind of communication on my birthday to say like happy birthday. So you know, that's... I thought I texted you. I thought I texted you like the night before. Uh, <laughs> maybe you thought about texting me. I thought I did. I don't think so. Let me look back through. This is great audio. I think this is what the people want to hear. Um. Let's see, let's see, let's see. I see no worries, man. Tell her happy birthday. So that was about your sister. <laughs> well, that was a long time ago. Uh, no, you, you texted and you asked, let's see. You asked if I was still using YouTube TV. Uh, and then on Tuesday, 
uh, oh, we texted about how if um, if AEW wasn't around, we might not watch pro wrestling at all anymore. Um, <laughs> and then on my birthday, I, you texted me about Joey Ryan. So, yeah. Um, I, I, okay. Backstory. You know, I, I also can never get your birthday right. Ever. <laughs> ever. I think I've wished you happy birthday like mid-September before. <laughs> and you're like, you, you no. definitely have. It just... I'm just giving you shit. I really don't care at all. Uh, and and to give a little background to the listeners, I also texted you what's your address because I'm sending you a birthday present. <laughs> so it, it was on ago. my mind. Well, I just haven't been to the the FedEx store yet. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> but <laughs> but but you should understand. For me, that that is as about as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> like it's cool. I, I it's hope- cool i'll continue carrying water for this friendship it's fine I, oh come on come on <laughs> uh that's just not nice um but for example like i helped my buddy get registered to vote and like he wasn't gonna check himself so i had to check his registration status for him and i had to look up his birthday i forgot his birthday so also it's not illegal if you have permission to do it so thank you buddy but yeah so well-intentioned it's just your birthday always moves is it the 30th is it the 20th is it the 9th i don't know so i was actually joking about that how like i think i'm gonna celebrate my birthday on a different day next year just like you know pick a random day in april and celebrate then instead like it doesn't really matter like you know my body's gonna decay at the same rate anyway so you know see if you don't care why should i care Well, well, I I I apologize for missing the birthday text. Um, I will I will make it up to you by sending you something else. How about that? It's it's really fine. It's really fine. Um, well, I, now now nope nope. You wanted this, so we are gonna we're gonna get sued here because I'm about to sing you happy birthday, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. So that's actually happy public birthday domain. to so. you. Good. Happy yeah. birthday I'm to you. just going to talk through you doing the whole thing. Happy birthday, dear Joel. Random numbers, 12, 17. Happy birthday eight. to you. And also, I have final cut, so I'm just going to cut out you bullshitting during my song. <laughs> you forget All that. All right, let's get into final, it. Let's get into final it. cut, big, Joel. Big episode of Dynamite. Lots to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hit the drop. The Dynamite that was... All right, Dynamite kicked off with an excellent match between Ricky Starks and Darby Allen. Absolute Ricky Starks looked like he was getting the better side of things, and then Darby Allen came from behind, got the victory. After that, we got an appearance from Cody, who came out and cut a promo and called out Brody Lee. And then a massive kerfuffle ensued involving many members of the roster, most notably... Anna Jay and Randy Rhodes. After this kerfuffle, there was an interview segment with FTR preceding their match with SoCal Uncensored for the Tag Team Championships. FTR defended their titles. This match was followed by Isaiah Cassidy getting his one-on-one shot against Le Champion, Chris Jericho. Jericho got the victory in that match, and FTR had another segment backstage cutting a promo on the best friends. After that, we got a match between 10 and Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy getting the pinfall victory. And we got a segment with MJF 
uh, congratulating Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle on their victory earlier in the evening, in which MJF brought gifts for everybody except Sammy Guevara. <laughs> this was followed by a match between Britt Baker making her in-ring return and Red Velvet. Britt Baker getting the victory in that match and then proceeding to brutalize Red Velvet after the match with the Lockjaw submission. The main event was John Moxley facing off against an opponent of Eddie Kingston's choosing for the AEW Championship, and he chose none other than the Butcher. So Mox put his title on the line against the Butcher and defended his championship in true John Moxley fashion. And that was this week in Dynamite. And I realized that I missed, I missed the, the promo segment, uh, an offsite shoot with Kip Sabian and Miro, in which they discussed the planning of Kip Sabian's bachelor party. And Miro started to feel the pressure and enlisted the help of none other than Arcade's greatest heel, Billy Mitchell. Yeah, I'm not even hitting the drop yet. What the fuck? <laughs> Billy Mitchell? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a little bit weird. I was pretty sure I knew who it was, but I did have to look it up to make sure that uh, I was correct uh, in that regard. So, so yeah. Uh, but I like that they're leaning into both Kip and Miro being like big time gamers and really weaving that into their storyline because i think it's as legitimate as anything else uh but you know i guess uh stock up to billy mitchell billy mitchell yeah the, 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 something i never thought i would say <laughs> I, and i gotta say something before i actually hit the drop um when we do our end of the year recap we're gonna have a special award called the random billy mitchell what the fuck award and it's just gonna be <laughs> random cameos and random shit in wrestling scooby-doo during the early tapings this year, he was always in the crowd. And now Billy Mitchell. I can't wait to see what else 2020 has in store from us. Joel, I'm dropping the stock up, stock down because this was not a stock up. <laughs> stock up, stock down. All right. Well, I feel like we have to start off with the opening match, which for me was the match of the night on a very good work rate card of AEW Dynamite. Nothing topped this singles match between Ricky Starks and Darby Allen. Uh, the action was frenetic. It was everything that we expected from these two. And I, I thought that anyone who wants to learn about selling and registering in professional wrestling should watch this match because it, it showed so much. It was a perfect entry point in seeing those finer points. Yeah, I totally agree. This was the best best match on the card. This was one of the best matches I think AEW's had in a while. Um, period. I just thought it was that good. And I thought this should have this should have main evented. And I know main events don't really matter, but this feud had been building for months now, months, and we thought it was gonna come to a head at all out. Um, but man, I'm not done with these two. I hope that they continue this feud, whether it leads to Darby Allen, Brian Cage at some point, if it's Darby Allen and the Willie Hobbs teaming up against Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, whatever it is, I hope it keeps going. And yeah, these two get, two guys are incredible. The the thing that stood out to me was just the chemistry right off the bat. All of the kind of in and out of spots, transitions, the the way that they were able to like go in and out of 
arm drags and drop kicks together. Like it just, it it was, it was incredible. It was just silky smooth. And then just the, the kind of subtlety of all their movements, even in their facial expressions, like you could tell throughout the match, like, oh, Starks is incredible. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's, he's just fantastic. One of my favorite things in a pro wrestling match, in particular, a singles match, is when someone sells on offense. And, you know, early on in the match, Ricky Starks took a big bump and was selling his back for the rest of the match. And he would lay in a hard kick on Darby and then reach back and grab his lower back like he was in pain. And I think it creates a level of continuity for the match that's very helpful to the viewer when Darby gets back on offense and now it's time for Ricky Starks to really be feeling the pain. It's never made sense to me watching a match that whoever's on offense feels fine. You know, they may be getting the crap beaten out of them, but as soon as they turn things in their favor, they feel fine. Uh, if you're selling an injury, you're, if you're selling pain, you should be doing that whether you're on offense or defense. So I really liked that attention to detail. And I thought Ricky Starks did an amazing job in this match. Hell man, old WWE video games used to have that. You target the leg for long enough, the person's going to limp regardless of what they're doing. So yeah, no, it's an important skill set. And it it kind of helps you forget you're watching pro wrestling. Like it kind of makes you forget the whole fakeness of a fight. Um, Well, one of the other things, you know, we talk about matches having stakes. And one of the ways for a match that doesn't have any kind of a stipulation or opportunity or even like blood feud to elevate the stakes is to have the threat of physical injury. As soon as someone starts selling that they're really hurt, that elevates the match and makes you feel like, oh, wow, you know, Ricky needs to win this match so he can get out of there. Because the longer he's in there with Darby Allen, the greater risk he's at for sustaining serious injury. And of course, commentary did a great job of putting that over as well. And, you know, we had Taz on commentary uh, for this match, which was really, really enjoyable. So I think there was a lot to like here. And we got a Brian Cage appearance in this match. We got a Will Hobbs appearance in this match. And, you know, I'm just very excited that these two guys got this spotlight moment. I think opening up the show is the perfect spot for them. I understand the feeling that this should have been the main event, but it's hard to have anything other than the AEW championship being on the line be the main event. And in a lot of ways, you might get more eyeballs if you're the first match on the card because, you know, as the numbers have kind of been trending upwards for AEW, new people tuning in, that first match, you want it to grab their attention and give them something they can immediately grab onto. So it, maybe it's not more eyeballs, but maybe it's a bigger spot in a way than being in the main event. I, I think this comes down to the Lance Archer COVID situation. I feel like this match probably would have happened this week regardless, even with the six-man six tag last week. But because of the lack of Lance Archer, they had to kind of fill in this Moxley story and I don't know. If, I don't know why they had to have Moxley defend the title. They could have easily just said Moxley's not done with Kingston, and Kingston says, "Well, I'm going to pick your opponent." You don't have to have the championship on the line for that. I don't understand well, why that had to be the case. I, and, I think the but reason, I get what you're saying because you can't put the championship match 
uh, not in the main event. That AEW does not do that. All their pay-per-views, other than the Stampede, which is okay, but their like actual in-ring main events are always the championship match, which I get and I appreciate that. But I don't know if this this needed to have two championship defenses in a row like they did. And they could have very easily said, okay, Moxley's going to open up the show with this stipulation. And then you could build to, you know, giving Darby and Starks that, that, you know, payoff. But either way, it doesn't matter because the match was fantastic. I I think it's a continuity thing with having the title on the line because Eddie Kingston never tapped out. He never quit. You know, the match was stopped by the official. And so in his mind and what he kind of argued was that, he was owed a championship match, but then, you know, he's not physically ready to go. So he picks someone else to do it in his stead. And I think that's the reason why, you know, putting the title on the line made sense here. And it's also a continuation of Eddie Kingston using this kind of sly, I didn't really lose kind of tactic uh, to advance himself and advance his faction. So uh, I liked it. Yeah, I and I guess before we move on, just fantastic in-ring work here by these guys too. Some stuff I haven't seen before. And you talked about the the emphasis on Ricky Stark's back the whole match and then for the finish to involve a coffin drop onto his back while he was laying on his stomach. Never seen that before. And I have to feel like that's really hard to fake not hurting. <laughs> like Yeah, I mean like, there's no way to brace, there's no way to prepare for that really because yeah. you, you know, you're on your stomach and the the muscles that you would tense in order to brace for some of that impact. I mean, it's, I think it's a lot harder to do with your back than it is to do with your abs. Yeah, for sure. So great stuff there. Let's move on to our next thing. And uh, let's talk a little bit about Cody Rhodes, Brody Lee and the brawl that would never end. Um, <laughs> it seriously just kept going and going and going. And when you thought it was over, Brody Lee would just jump back in the ring and start swinging again. And when you thought it was over, uh, Brandy would come out and do a flip onto the Dark Order. And then when you thought it was finally done, Anna Jay and Brandy start brawling. And then when you think it's done, freaking Nyla Rose just starts beating up people for no reason. Like, like it was contagious. It was like this fight has to go on and there needs to be random violence here. Um, so the brawl itself, I loved, it was chaotic. It was fun. I love pull aparts when they're done right. And I feel like this is a type of feud that warrants a pull apart. Sometimes in the other wrestling company, they do a pull apart where it just, it doesn't feel that intense. And this definitely had the intensity. I think that you need for that type of moment. And what do you think of Cody's promo, his interview with Dasha? what do you think? Give me your thoughts on that. Cause I, I'm curious of what you think about it. I really loved everything up until he got back in the ring and was like, no regrets, you know, and decided that he was going to take the match because I thought it would have been a more interesting character choice for him to be like, nah, I'm corporate Cody and I can't do this visual. I'm not doing a dog collar match because that would not reflect well on me and it wouldn't reflect well on this company in this role that I take so seriously. And that's kind of what I was hoping for was for him to stick to that. And then, you know, we could maneuver into that match some other way. But um, as always, it was expertly delivered. 
and you know he's got boundless charisma so i'm never gonna shit on a cody promo because it was you know it was a really good promo i just would have preferred a different story direction oh yeah so the promo excellent top one of the top promos in the game we know that but it, it, with everything they had been teasing with what they were building up when he was still defending the tnt title every week kind of the exhaustion the frustration the kind of moodiness of the champion and then for him to debut this new look different attire we know he's a well-dressed man and he's dressing completely different than what he did and then for him to just kind of slap right back into purebred blue baby face mode like i was i was a little disappointed because i kind of was looking forward to this edgier you know kind of fuck it attitude from cody like we you talked to you mentioned last week on the show that Cody not coming back to save the natural nightmares to not save Brandy was a sign that this was a different type of Cody and they have the different logo. He has different video entrance now and different theme and like still the same theme, but like it's altered a little bit. So like it felt like this was going to be something different. And then it was perfect when he said, no, perfect. End it right there. That would have been a five star segment. And then he just came back the screaming, the, the intensity that we love from a, a baby face Cody, but I thought we were getting something different with him and it seems like we are back and we'll see. Maybe the dog collar match breaks him. Maybe that so, breaks him. And if I can argue with myself for a moment, um, oh, you love to do that. I, I thought of a different way to read this as you were kind of extrapolating, which is, you know, it still fits in with, his current motivation because his motivation right now above all else is revenge. And so him bringing up that, you know, he takes his role as EVP very seriously and how excited he was to get the call from Hollywood and have this opportunity and all of that. And he's willing to jeopardize that and jeopardize his image just to get his hands on Brody Lee. And that, it's it's nuanced. It's a little bit different from what we've seen from Cody recently. Um, but it is in keeping with the revenge motivation that he seemed to have last week and fits in with what I said last week. So I'm, I'm disagreeing with myself this week to agree with myself from last week and uh, go ahead and give it a thumbs up. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Senator, whatever you say. Hey, get you agree the beach? terms beforehand, okay? <laughs> okay. We, we're going to go those jokes? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not, please. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Um, yeah, so if, if, if Cody breaks at some point, or maybe they realize they're just doing too much turning with the elite right now. Maybe Kenny slowly becoming heel, the Bucks just being dickheads. Maybe they realize maybe this isn't the time to transition Cody like this. And we need, you know, our, because there really isn't a, like a pure baby face in the, the men's division, really, like at that high jungle boy, maybe. But, and he's not as high up on the card as Cody or Kenny would be, or the Bucks would be. All of the, the faces that they have in the company all have flaws or kind of anti-hero. Like Moxley isn't a pure fa- pure baby face either. He can do the promo every now and then, but he that's not his style. So maybe they thought they still needed Hogan. Maybe they still need Holly. Uh, maybe they still need 
eat your vitamins and say your prayers, Hogan, for Cody well, right now. I don't think he's quite say your prayers and eat your vitamins, but <laughs> I, I do think you're correct that they need top baby faces that the crowd will get behind as they continue to have more crowd opportunities moving forward. But uh, I think there's still a change in this character. And I think there's a kind of tweener space that he can operate in that allows him to still fulfill that babyface role while also being distinct from his previous iterations. Yeah, it's, hey, Joel, I'm excited to see where it goes. <laughs> uh, tally mark one. That's that's one. Uh, <laughs> try to keep up with um, that. Any, yeah. Anything else with this before we uh, we move on to our, our next item? Now let's move on. We had a couple of instances of guys from tag teams getting an opportunity to be elevated through singles matches. And so we're going to talk about uh, Isaiah Cassidy and the Butcher together and give a stock up to the concept of giving these guys a shot because it delivered in both instances. Uh, I'll kind of kick off with Isaiah Cassidy. I thought he looked amazing in this match with Jericho. and. I think he's the perfect kind of guy to have in a feud with Jericho or in a match with Jericho in the same way that Orange Cassidy was because the two of them can kind of carry the weight of the fast-paced action and Chris can be there to anchor the storytelling of the match and to bring them along in that regard. Uh, I thought this match was great. What did you think of it? I thought it was fantastic. And yeah, I, I like that, like what you said there. It always reminds me when Lesnar wrestles a smaller guy. Uh, it reminds me of Lesnar when he fights a smaller guy because the little guys can take the bumps. They can make Lesnar look great. They sell. And Jericho definitely is that kind of bigger hulking wrestler now, which I never thought I would say. But they're pairing him with these guys that he can work with. He can physically dominate. Um, and I thought Cassidy here, uh, like we had Quen in the TNT Open uh, Championship match a few months ago. I thought this was just as effective, kind of a star-making moment. Let these guys have their their shine. And I kind of loved Cassidy's kind of demeanor change. Like, the opening of this match was fast-paced. He got the best of Jericho multiple times. And then after one of their spots, he put up his fingers and, like, showed that he was this close mm-hmm. to beating Jericho and kind of not I taunting him. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, not, and taunting him in not the typical private party way, which, is you know, is... A lot of humor and energy and just kind of like, yeah, you almost lost to me this close. So I really loved it. Uh, Cassidy, Quinn, they're both amazing. I was really pulling for the upset here, um, but just just great stuff. But I, I don't think this is the end of Hardy Party inner circle workings from going forward. So definitely could see more combinations of these teams, maybe a Hager-Quen match, uh, maybe throw matt hardy in there at some point but hold up uh, hold up hold up hold up did you just suggest a jake hager match i feel like we're making progress here that doesn't mean i'm excited for it <laughs> let's no, but let's, the suggestion came from you i think I'm, I'm gonna count this as a win and 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 we can move on i just wanted to mark the time mark the moment because i do think it's important fuck hager <laughs> <laughs> and there we go <laughs> yep, yep, there is here's my card. Um yeah, I, I I we talk about this Jericho, this is what you need him for in AEW right now. You don't you don't need him in the title feud. 
You don't need him uh, top of the card each and every week, but let him work with these young guys. Cassidy is, Cass, you notice Cassidy is getting treated like a main event player right now. He had his title match last week. He had a basically a squash match this week against the Dark Order. Like he got the rope from Jericho and they're keeping it. They're, they're keeping the heat with him. So uh, there is something said to get the best of this 30 year Hall of Famer. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a perfect spot for Jericho to be right now. Absolutely. So the other match that we wanted to talk about is the main event with the Butcher taking on John Moxley and really wanted to focus in on Butcher just getting elevated in this spot. And the match started off with a moment, which was Moxley staring down Eddie Kingston, Penta and Phoenix, thinking that one of the two luchadors was going to be the one facing off with him in this championship match. And while Mox is staring out of the ring, Butcher comes up behind him, kind of lumbers into the ring with his crazy hair and facial hair and his eyes going wild and just looked terrifying. And then you could see the look on Moxley's face turn when Eddie Kingston told him who he was going to be facing and that realization of, oh, he's standing right behind me, isn't he? You know, which is just a joke that I love um, from from all avenues of entertainment. And I thought it was executed flawlessly here. Yeah, it was fantastic, man. It felt like it kind of looked like a Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers type horror moment. Um, Just kind of creeping up behind him. Great camera shot. And the butcher looks great, man, in the ring with that like white apron and white, white jeans, white pants. Like it's a good look for someone who's like this incredible badass. You think white white jeans wouldn't work for the guy, but he pulls it off. And I've, you know, Joel, I've been picking Moxley. I picked him at all out when you picked MJF. And we joked about how you have to stop picking against Moxley. And last night I said, fuck Moxley. Butcher should be our AEW world champion. We don't need MJF's campaign. We don't need dictator John. We need the butcher. And I marked out so much and I really wanted him to win. Like not even like, like, playing into my bit of loving the butcher i was like yes yes big platinum on the butcher would be awesome (laughs) i'd have been totally down for it and you know maybe maybe he's who we need right now you know he's a he's a blue collar guy he's he's got an occupation cutting meat and uh i think he's probably pretty down to earth so um might not be the person that you want carving up your thanksgiving turkey but you know i think he has a lot to offer yeah, and, and the match itself was it was pretty good. Very intense physical match, as you would expect from these two. You don't need to see, you know, a bunch of flippy dudes from these guys, but it got the message across. It do, it continues this fun Eddie Kingston s- story with Moxley while we were leading up to this Archer match in two weeks. Um, and I'm I'm all down for it. And like it's I can't even find myself booing. Eddie Kingston, like he's the heel here. And I'm like, yes, Eddie, you're right. You're right. You didn't tap. You didn't, you didn't lose last week. And when just really, really good stuff from uh, our agents of chaos or whatever they're calling themselves. So I actually found myself in the opposite territory where I was like, I mean, I love Eddie Kingston. I thought he did a great job. And I'm like, don't you bully Bryce Remsburg like that, you big dickhead. So (laughs) also I got a shout out. I got a shout out Bryce Remsburg here. I thought he was great when he jumped on the mic and 
yeah. gave his little like, yeah, we've known each other. We know each other's families. But this, when we're here in this ring, this is, I have a job to do. I'm a professional. And my job was to protect you from yourself. I thought that was excellent. It was really good. It was really good. Also, you calling someone dickhead, that might be your worst like word you've used on this show. I swear all the time. But for you to drop a very aggressive dickhead like that, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Note the time. Tally is one. That sounds Tally like a future t-shirt. Very aggressive dickhead. <laughs> very aggressive dickhead. Um, <laughs> fantastic stuff, man. Actually, it's uh, like a faction from ECW. And now coming to the ring, the very aggressive dickheads. <laughs> oh man i'm all for it man that'd be awesome <laughs> just uh, we could just we should just call that's what eddie kingston's stable should be the, the aggressive <laughs> thing. Um, i don't feel good about calling anyone in that faction except you know eddie kingston when he's being mean to bryce remsburg a dickhead can we call the the young bucks aggressive dickheads now yeah there we go there we go the aggressive dickheads um well, they're not really young anyway. anymore so calling them the young bucks doesn't yeah. really make too much sense so yeah, they're the the middle-aged tax bracket bucks. <laughs> How many bucks dollars did uh Donald Trump never mind? Uh are you ready to go on the lightning round, man? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we have to talk about, but let's get into it. Lightning round. All right, I'm going to start. Man, Tony Schiavone taking a dual super kicks. Something weird did you notice how weird that super kick looked? There were two legs. I don't think Nick was there. I think they needed someone else to do the kick, but only Matt was on TV. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did think it was kind of odd that, but I mean, Matt has kind of been carrying all of these segments anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know what the deal is with that, but yeah. Poor <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, I know it wasn't a crazy bump and they filmed in a way where he probably got booted in the chest a bit and he could fall back on something. So it wasn't the most insane thing, but you leave our glorious King, Tony Schiavone alone, you bastards. He's ours. He's other people's. You mess with him. You mess with me. So I got to give a shout out to Britt Baker getting the win in mm. her in ring return. And she looked great. Uh, whatever she needed to do in these past few weeks to get herself absolutely ring ready, she clearly has been putting in the work. And even though she couldn't be, you know, exercising her lower body due to her leg injury, she clearly has been working on the upper body and doing a lot of like seated exercises or, or whatever, because she looks built in a way that she didn't before. And I was very impressed with her ring work and, and red velvet is great. And she did a great job of bumping and making Britt Baker look really good, but I didn't expect to like this match as much as I did. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see Britt mix it up with some of the top tier women in the company because we have missed her in a big way. And I'm ready for this Britt Baker, big swole, in-ring match that we've been waiting for at this point for what seven months six seven months pre-quarantine which we're on month seven of that god damn it yeah that all i have to say is exactly what that what you just mentioned i need this Britt baker big swole match that should be a main event of a dynamite if you're not going to save it for full gear let these two women work let them put on the match that we know they can put on and that we've been dying to see 
my next item in lightning round is Joel, I have a question for you. Are you willing to condemn right now the actions of FTR and their cheating ways with Tully Blanchard? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um, my actual point <laughs> is I love the, the creative ways that they cheat. Like they're not just cheating in the ways that you normally see, you know, but like the holding the legs down, I thought was really cool. I thought the way they got Christopher Daniels, uh, ban from ringside was incredible that was they... my favorite moment of the match yeah that was spectacular i've so never seen perfect. someone fake that bump before yeah exactly me neither and it was i was wondering what was going on and then great job on commentary for kind of helping recognize what was happening but that was so incredible so unique and i was kind of shitting on these like heelish you know chicken shit heel version of ftr last week but if they're going to like innovate the way that tag team wrestlers cheat, I'm all for it. Well, I do think that in terms of the mechanics of tag team wrestling, there's no one better than FTR in the world. And if anyone is going to come up with weird and not seen before ways of cheating and getting a leg up, it's going to be those two guys. I mean, they uh, worked with, Bailey and Sasha extensively prior to their departure from the other wrestling company. And then Bailey and Sasha went on that run with the, the women's tag team titles and having great matches and debuting new moves. And, you know, I, they're really good at elevating other people and, you know, creating new ways to do tag team wrestling. So I, I really like it. And just a side note, they announced their match next week, and they're going to defend the titles against the Hybrid 2. Oh, that should be great. Yeah, that should be really, really good. So I know, I know, I know you absolutely love the Hybrid 2. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> On a stacked card, by the way. Yeah. Joel, you got yeah. anything else? And lightning round for us. I got one more thing, which is uh, I got to talk about my dude MJF uh, coming with gifts for everybody except Sammy, trying to pass it off on Wardlow and Wardlow being like, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, I like the continuity here because they brought back how. Uh, the whole conversation between Jericho and MJF last year about, do you want to be a part of the inner circle? And I don't know where this is going, but I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm kidding. Oh, that's um, two. That's two. Two. Um, no, but I, if this, it leads to some sort of either blow up between MJF and Wardlow, or if this leads to some sort of Sammy Guevara, MJF feud, because it seems pretty obvious. He was signaling Sammy out. And when you look at that dynamic of the inner circle, the Sammy role is the one that MJF would fit right into. You know, you have the tag team in proud and powerful. Uh, you have Hager in the muscle. You have Jericho as the wily veteran leader. The young hotshot dickhead is the spot that MJF would fit perfectly in. So if this leads to a battle of the dickheads match between Sammy Guevara and uh, MJF, watch out because that match is going to be fire. Yeah, those two could put on a really good match. I think their styles go really well together. 
And I don't have anything else for lightning round. Joel, did you have a random observation this week? Oh, man, I had something and I completely forgot what it is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Joel's random observation of the week. So do you follow Serpentico on Twitter? Uh, I don't. Okay, so he has been doing this big, long thing uh, over the past couple of weeks where apparently someone suggested that Serpentico is actually David Arquette. And so he changed (laughs) his name on Twitter to David Arquette question mark. And uh, then like put up like side by side pictures of himself and and David Arquette. And it's just been really funny. Uh, But I I want the end result of this to be uh, David Arquette and Serpentico basically doing the Spider-Man meme in the middle of an AEW ring. And (laughs) I I just I really want this to go somewhere. But it's it's been cracking me up every time I see a new wrinkle on Twitter and it does tie into what's going on in AEW because he is going to be tagging with Luther next week, taking on uh, Jake Hager and Chris Jericho on Jericho's 30th anniversary appreciation night as a pro wrestler. So so there you go. That's my random observation of the week is, uh, is Snake Man actually David Arquette? Okay, I will say I am really excited for that match next week. I I like what Serpentico and Luther have right now. And I know that Luther and Jericho have a long history of working together going back to, you know, his early days in Japan. Uh, well, in the Northern guess, tours in Canada. Yeah, if there was anyone who I want to see Jericho fight on his 30th anniversary, it would have been Lance Storm. But alas, yeah. Unfortunately, he is uh, occupied elsewhere. I thought he got let go by WWE. I thought he was part of the um, COVID cut. Furloughed. Oh. Anyway. Who knows with that fucking company. So, all right, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find Joel at The Other Joel. You can find me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can email us at TheOtherWrestlingShow at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. If you're an Android guy like me, don't worry. We're on most of the podcasting apps on the Android network. And rate and review, man. Give us those reviews. Reach out to us. Uh, follow us. So definitely would help get the word out. We love doing this each and every week. And Joel, 44 minutes. We're getting good at this uh, keeping it short thing. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.